and preach something a little bit different, kind of in light of the times in which we find ourselves. But this week, I felt like, you know what, based on the message that was already set to come next, I think it's just a perfect message for, uh, for where we find ourselves in these days in which we live. And so uh, we're right back to the nuts and bolts series. So Acts chapter 26 is uh, where I want you to just hold your spot there and uh, we're going to get there here in just, uh, just a little bit. Looking at a message this morning titled, Tell Your Story. Tell Your Story. Hey, here's one thing that I've learned through this, through this time is that the, uh, this, this virus and everything that goes along with it has required a lot from us. And uh, I know it has probably for you, for your family. It has required a lot of uh, adjustments uh, in virtually every level of life, it seems, we've had to make adjustments. And for some of you, uh, that's been easy. Some of you are, are really good at making adjustments, uh, and, and you live life on the fly, and it's not a big deal. Others of you, man, this has been absolute torture as you've had to adapt and as you've had to adjust. For some of you, you haven't been out to eat, it seems like, in forever, and it's only been eight or ten days. And uh, you're accustomed to going out to eat all the time. You're accustomed to going out to eat dinner, and you have lunch out, and, uh, and now you You've just been sort of eating home-cooked meals, which in some ways has been good, and in other ways, maybe not so good because it involved a microwave, and, uh, and you're just having uh, issues because you can't go out to eat. You've had to adapt. You've had to adjust to that specifically, and it hasn't gone easily, right? It hasn't gone well for you, possibly. For others of you, man, you've gone on rescue missions. You've had to adapt so badly, uh, looking for toilet paper and looking for sanitizer, looking for Lysol and all these things. Man, I scored. I scored the big score yesterday. I went to the grocery store, and, uh, and I was looking for ground beef. I had been to two grocery stores the day before. I kind of got in, looked around, and got out. And, uh, and, and so I went to, uh, went to one of the stores here on the island, and, uh, and, I, and I found ground beef. And here's the good thing. Uh, there was a lot of it. And, and it wasn't packaged in those one-pound packages because, honestly, I would have felt super guilty if I had just grabbed up an armload of those one-pound packages. But it was packaged in a three-pound package. And so I walked out with one package. I didn't feel guilty. And we got ground beef to last us. And so, man, I have, like, scored one for the family. And, uh, and th- that's an adjustment. That's a, a need to adapt that didn't exist just two weeks ago. And so, I mean, you've had to do that. You've You've had to adjust. You've had to adapt. Some of you in your workplace, uh, you're already working remotely, and uh, you're finding out that your office was not such a bad place. <laughs> your, your workplace was not so bad after all because you're trying to figure out how to get work done. And, uh, you know, there are like animals running around your living room, and there are kids running around. They were on spring break this week, and uh, there are a lot of distractions. And, uh, and so you've had to adjust in that way as well. Some of you, man, tomorrow it is, uh, is going to notch up because some of you starting tomorrow, you're going to suddenly find yourself being school teachers at home. And, uh, and you, didn't, you didn't bargain for this, right? You're going to be teaching algebra all over again when your kids are looking to you as their teacher. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to ramp up your prayer life. But all of that to say that, man, there have been adjustments. There have been, there have been uh, uh, changes that have come that all of us have had to adapt to. For some of you, it's been dealing with fear, it's been dealing with anxiety. It's been dealing with worry. It's been dealing with this whole concept of isolation, right? And you've had to adjust and you've had to adapt. But some of those adjustments have been very good. Some of those adjustments have been in the context of ministry. You've been able to serve other people. You've been able to encourage other people. Maybe you've made phone calls this week that, that you've been meaning to make and life was so busy 
But now, because so much of your schedule has changed, you made that phone call you've been meaning to make for months, or you sent that text, or you wrote that letter, right? And there have been some good things that have come out of these relationships. You, you have had maybe movie nights. I know for our family, we hardly ever watch movies uh, at all, right? Uh, but we've, we've watched more movies this last week, man, than I probably have in a couple of years. And we've done it together. We've had a great time. Some of you played board games. I mean, all those adjustments have been good. And, and, and here's the thing, that when we, when we look at these adjustments and we look at how we've adapted over these last 10 days, two weeks or so, th- this whole experience with, with the coronavirus is a microcosm of life, right? That you've got so many stories that you can tell. You've got stories that have been challenges, they've been, they, they've been difficulties, but then there are also some, some good stories that come out of that. And this whole experience is a microcosm of life. And I want us to see a few, uh, a few principles this morning before we jump into Acts chapter 26. And the first principle is this, that every life tells a story. You got stories that come out of this whole experience these last 10 days. Well, when you blow that out even further, every life tells a story. Your life tells a story. My life tells a story. Everybody in the room where you are right now, their life tells a unique story, a very specific story, a very personal story. And every single life tells a story. It's a story of ups and downs and highs and lows and good and bad. And sometimes that story feels a lot like a drama. Sometimes it feels a lot like a mystery. Sometimes it feels a lot like a comedy, right? But every life tells a story. Every single life. Not just the people that we read of in the Bible, but your life tells a story. Here's a second principle that also comes out of this this message that we're going to look at here in Acts chapter 26 and see it proven, see it supported. Principle number two is that every life story is also significant. Every life story is significant. You may not feel like your life story is significant. You may feel very insignificant right now, right? Because your work has changed. You're not engaging people. You may be a people person, and you can't be a people person now the way you used to be. Right? You may feel like your story is just sort of humdrum, right? There's really not any extreme highs or extreme lows. You may feel as though your life story is not significant. Man, let me tell you this, that your life story is incredibly significant. It is incredibly significant. Every single story that is written through the years that God gives us is a story specifically of significance. And our church here is filled, <laughs> man, it is filled with people whose stories are significant, filled with people who, uh, who, who could, could highlight not only incredible good times, but also incredible challenges that come along as well. And, and, and not only is our church filled with those stories, but our world is filled with those stories. Our nation is filled with those stories. And so here's what I want you to, want you to really grasp that your story specifically, your life story is a story of significance. And then principle number three is that every single life story, yes, that includes yours, tells something about Jesus. It either tells a story of his blessing, it tells a story of his rescue, It tells a story of him bailing us out when we had nowhere else to go. It tells a story of us growing to understand what life is all about. It tells a story of us coming from death into life, from a place where sin dominated our lives to now where, yes, we still wrestle with it and we still struggle with it, but we are forgiven and we are clean and we are brand new in the sight of God. Every life story either tells that or it tells a story about the absence of Jesus. And, and it tells a story about what life looks like when Jesus is not in his rightful place in the very center of that story. Because God created us to be in the center of our story, to be in the center of our lives, he's our creator, we're his created 
So every life story tells something specifically about Jesus. Here's the cool thing. When you look through Scripture, you see people... I mean, this book is filled with people who their life tells a story, and every single story is significant, and their stories teach us something about Jesus. Sometimes it's the tragedy of walking away from Him. Other times, it's the beauty of embracing Him and surrendering to Him and knowing Him personally. So, so for you, here's what I want you to think about this morning. When we look in the passage of Scripture in just a second, I want you to begin to think about those elements that are, that, that are, that are, that are the key points of your story, your life story. And we're going to do something with those thoughts here in just a few moments. So we're going to see an example in Scripture, Acts chapter 26. And this series is called Nuts and Bolts for a reason, right? The nuts and bolts are kind of where you get down to where the rubber hits the road. It gets down to the nitty-gritty. When, when we talk about nuts and bolts, we're talking about those essential aspects, those essential elements of a Christian life that really, really hits the mark that God intends for us. And so what we're looking at this morning specifically is not just Acts 26, we're going to blow that out, and I want to give you a tool, kind of the nuts and bolts, something practical that you can do to help you live a life that matters, that makes a difference, and that hits the bullseye, right, of what God ultimately wants for you. So, so here's, the, here's the background for Acts chapter 26. When we get to this chapter, what we've seen... Uh, Luke wrote the, wrote the book of Acts. He wrote the gospel of Luke, and then kind of as part two, he wrote the book of Acts. Uh, Luke captures the life and ministry of Jesus. The book of Acts captures the life and ministry of the early church. And so it's kind of our, it, it, it's sort of our story as believers, as followers of Christ. The, 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 these are the beginning stages of what we embrace as Christianity. This is the beginning stages of the Christian faith as it's being lived out at the nuts and bolts level in the book of Acts. Well, when we get to chapter 26, what we find is that this guy Paul has become a key player in the book of Acts. And not only in the book of Acts, he's going to be a key player in the rest of the New Testament. He's going to write the bulk of the remainder of the New Testament after we read about him here and the book of Acts. And so what we find out about Paul, specifically here, let me just give you a little bit of the setting so that you don't have to go back and read chapter after chapter after chapter. What we find out about Paul is that Paul was a Jew. By heritage, Paul was a Jew. He was, he was a part of the nation of Israel, but he was also a Roman citizen because, because he was born into the Roman, the, to the Roman Empire. He was born uh, as a, he, he had the citizenship of Rome, but he had the heritage as a Jew. And so he had, in some ways, people would say, the best of both worlds then. And so Paul, we find, was, was one who lived during the time of Jesus. There's no biblical evidence that he ever crossed paths with Jesus in the Gospels. We don't ever see Paul's name come up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. He's not there when Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's not there when Jesus calms the storm. We don't find Paul in any of the stories of the Gospels, yet he lived, for the most part, during the same time period as Jesus probably in the very same vicinity. He may have even laid eyes on Jesus. We don't know that. There's no evidence we see in Scripture. But they would have lived in the same region during the same basic time period. And so Paul, this Jew who has been born into the Roman Empire, he has Roman citizenship by virtue of being born into the Roman Empire, we find in his story, is going to set out against those who were followers of Jesus. And he is going to be a, an opponent of the spread, not just to the Christian faith, but he's going to be an opponent of every single believer and follower of Jesus, and he's going to set himself up as an opponent, even an enemy of God himself. He's going to later in his life trust Christ. He's going to follow Jesus, 
Christ will come to him in miraculous fashion. He'll reveal himself to him. And Paul's life is going to change there. And he's going to travel the world sharing the simple message of the gospel. And so that's where we want to jump in because it's here in Acts 26 that Paul then tells his story. And man, it is an incredible story. And it reminds us, don't forget, that every life tells a story. Every story, every life story is significant. And every life story tells us something about Jesus. So let's read Paul's story here in Acts chapter 26. We're actually going to begin a little bit earlier in chapter 25. So here's the specific setting. Right here, when we get to Acts 26, Paul is before a ruler named King Agrippa II. And, uh, and he's basically telling his story before he gets to Rome, uh, before Caesar, to stand trial for false accusations that were brought against him. He is now telling his story to King Agrippa II. King Agrippa II, it was the grandson of King Herod that we read of in Jesus' day at the birth of Christ, whenever uh, Herod wanted to destroy all the babies that were two years old and younger. That was King Agrippa II's grandfather. So probably not a super nice guy. So let's go ahead and jump in, and here's the story. So Festus says, this is Acts chapter 26, uh, or, or back to chapter 25, forgive me. Acts chapter 25, verse 24 through verse 26, gives a little backstory. So Festus said, King Agrippa and all you gentlemen here present with us, you see this man about whom all the people of the Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, loudly declaring that he ought not to live any longer. They're talking about Paul. But I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death. And since he himself appealed to the emperor, to Caesar, I decided to send him. Yet I have nothing definite about him to write to my Lord. Therefore, I've brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the investigation has taken place, I may have something to write. And so Agrippa has basically now positioned himself in front of Paul, and he is about to hear Paul's defense before he goes off to Caesar to defend himself. What Paul does here, this is phenomenal, man. He, he just simply tells his story, and he does it in such a simple structure. He talks about his life before Christ. He talks about how he met Jesus, and then he talks about how Christ has changed his life. Very simple structure. My life before, how I met him, <laughs> and my life after. So let's jump in and see what Paul says. Acts chapter 26. Let's begin here at verse 4. Here's what Paul's doing. He's telling what his life was like here before he met and before he knew Jesus in personal relationship. He says to King Agrippa II, he says, So then, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem, since they've known about me for a long time. He's saying, everybody knows me, right? All of my people, all the Jewish people know me. They know my story. And if they're willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. So key words for Paul. If you were to say, Paul, give me some key words about your life. What was your life like before you met Christ? Paul would say, all right, one key word would be the word religious. I was really religious. I was a Pharisee. I was a part of the Jewish religion. I, I, um, I, I, I was uh, very strict in my religiosity, right? I, I had a religious element to my life, uh, and I was a rule follower. I kept the rules, and sometimes I made the rules, but I followed the rules. So key word, Paul, what was your life like before Jesus? I was religious. I was a rule follower. 
Paul goes on a little bit further in that passage, jump down to verse 9, and he continues telling what his life was like before Christ. He says, so then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them, often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Wow. So, so, so Paul, what was your life? What are a couple of key words about your life before Christ? Okay. I was religious. I was a rule follower. I was violent. Or Paul would say, I was hostile to the name of, of Jesus. I was a violent person. I was a manipulator. I would lock up followers of Christ. I would do whatever I needed to do to create a case to haul them off so that they could be locked up and persecuted for their faith. I was an enemy of Jesus. I was angry. I mean, all these are key words of what Paul's life was like before Christ. And when you think about your life before you knew Jesus, or some of you maybe, you're not in a relationship with God right now. You've never placed your faith in Christ. And when you begin to think about what that looks like, there are already key words that describe your life. Maybe some of those words are the same. Maybe some of those words are words like anger. Maybe a word is, is manipulator. Maybe for you, it, it's violent. Maybe it's a word selfish. Maybe for you, when you think about what your life was like or is like without Jesus, maybe for you, it would be uh, fearful or drifter, right? All these different words that come to mind, these key words that describe. That's what Paul's doing. He's describing his life before Jesus. Now, now remember, he's talking about life before Christ. Now he's going to talk about how he came to know Jesus. He's not going to go into a ton of detail, but we do get to see some of it here in verse 12. Take a look at what, what Luke writes, capturing Paul's story in verse 12. He, Paul is speaking here. He says, so while so engaged, right, while I was going after these Christians to haul them off, to uh, persecute them while I was so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests, I had all the papers in my hand. At midday, O king, he says to Agrippa, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. This is a saying that is kind of like, you can't keep running from the truth. You can't keep pushing me to the curb. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And let me just say, when I placed my faith in Jesus, my story was vastly different than this, right? This was not my same story, uh, but it doesn't mean my story is not significant. For Paul, his story was unique. His story was significant. There, there, there would be certain uh, uh, key phrases that would come out of this. Paul would describe this as a, as a life-changing event. But in a sense, when Paul's telling a story, he could just say, listen, this is the way I was. I was violent. I was a manipulator. I was angry. I was religious, but I was self-absorbed. I was hostile. I was an enemy of God. But then I met Jesus. And in just those four words... Paul summarizes that hinge in his life that moved him from before to after, from death to life. Then I met 
Jesus. And then Paul, standing before this powerful king, then begins to tell what his life is like after meeting Christ. Look at what, look at what it says in verse 19. So King Agrippa, I didn't prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. So Paul, I mean, what are some key words that come to, come to mind after you met Jesus? Paul would say, I was suddenly obedient. Paul would say, I was selfless. My will fell to the side, and it was all about living out God's will for my life. Later in the New Testament, we see in Paul's letters that he could easily have used the words to describe himself after meeting Jesus by using the words peace, humility, joy, strength, purpose. All of those words could be in Paul's vocabulary describing what his life was like after having met Christ. You know, we put all this together and what we see is that every life tells a story. Every life story is significant, even yours. But every life story also tells something about Jesus, either his absence or the change that he's brought. I came across a tool that really helps us to tell our stories and to tell them clearly, and it's just called the simple 15-second testimony. You see a graphic there on the screen here next to me. This is a tool that is designed, and, and if you don't have a pen and paper right now, uh, hey, you've got, you've got permission, like you needed it, right, <laughs> to go and grab a little scratch sheet of paper and a pen. You may already have some there in front of you where you're jotting down some notes, just anything to jot on. Because what I want you to do, and I, I know this will seem a little bit odd, if we had, when I first laid out the kind of the, the nuts and bolts of this series, my, what I had envisioned was we would take about five minutes as a, as a church right here in this room and we would actually begin filling this out for ourselves. I encourage you to do that for yourself. You can do it later if you want, but don't put it off till later unless you just absolutely have to. I'm going to give you just a few minutes to start putting this in place. This is a 15-second testimony. You're not memorizing somebody else's story. You're not memorizing a, a long passage of Scripture. This is just the nuts and bolts of how to tell your story. And, and, and this is how it starts. When you're in conversation with someone, you just simply share, hey, there was a time in my life and then you think of two key words. I've already given you key words for Paul, what his life was like before Jesus. But just think through, what are two key words? What was your life like before Christ? And, and I, I know for you, you might think, I can't summarize it in a word. If you need a phrase, that's okay. Just try your best. Right? Again, the, the goal is 15 seconds or so. But just jot down, what are some words that really capture your life before you had a relationship with Jesus Christ? What, 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 would it be selfish? Would it be fearful? Would it be a lot of the ones I've already named? Uh, um, what would it be like? You don't have to go into detail. It's just designed for a word or a phrase. And actually jot that down on your paper. There was a time in my life when I was, if we're interviewing Paul here, Paul would say, there was a time in my life when I was a manipulator and an enemy of Christ. There was a time in my life when I was angry 
and when I was violent. Take a moment right now. Jot down a couple of words there. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, 45 seconds to do that. Jot down a couple of words that come to mind for you specifically. Hey, if it doesn't feel too, too odd for you, if you want, if you're in a room with some others, a family, if you want, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but you may want to take a second even now and just say, hey, there was a time in my life and even share. I mean, this is your story. I mean, don't put anything on there you don't want to share, but you can share right there in your own room. There was a time in my life, if this was my story, right, I came to know Christ when I was young, and for some of you that have given your life to Christ as a child, maybe through vacation Bible school or children's ministry, you know, it may be harder to think of some words. I came to Christ when I was young, uh, and so finding a couple of words that really capture my whole mindset when I was, you know, before Jesus was a challenge. And so for me, I, I just simply put, there was a time in my life when I was unsettled because I used to worry a lot about uh, about whether or not I was going to heaven and 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 uh, and all those those kinds of things. And so there was a time in my life when I was unsettled and apart from God. There's not a lot of dramatic uh, insight attached to those words for me, but you know what? There are a lot of people in this world that are unsettled and apart from God. And whatever two words you put there, it's going to be just the same. So put those two words there. Share those maybe right there in the room where you are even now. Then we come to the cross. That's kind of the intro. Then we come to the cross where Jesus is. This, this is life before, right? This is going to be how we met Christ. And you're not going into a lot of detail. You may find yourself in an environment where you can launch into a three-minute testimony or even a longer conversation with a friend over lunch about the difference that God's made in your life, how you met Christ. This is designed to be a 15-second testimony. And so you can just jot down right here under the cross if you'd like. Those four words, then I met Jesus. Then I met Jesus. Jot them down on your paper right now. There was a time in my life when I was unsettled and apart from God. Then I met Jesus. And after that, then, you begin to launch in to the very end of your testimony, the end of your 15-second story. This is where you simply write down two more words. Two more words that will capture what God's done in your life since then. For you, maybe those two words would be something like what Paul shared. You know, Paul, Paul would say, but now I have peace. I was once angry, but now I have peace. I was once self-centered, now I have humility, right? 
What two words would come to mind? Think about the word bank in your heart, your mind. What two words would really capture how your life is different now that you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Take a moment. I'll give you 30, 45 seconds to just think through and to write down a couple of words there on those lines. For me, if I was telling my story, I would say there was a time in my life when I was unsettled, when I was apart from God. Then I met Jesus. And now I have fellowship and peace. No more that unsettledness because I know I I have a relationship with God. I know I'm going to heaven one day. I know my life has purpose, right? I don't have that unsettledness anymore. I have peace. I'm not apart from God anymore. I have fellowship. And so you've jotted down those two words, maybe right there in your room, right, your living room or wherever you may be, if you're with someone else. If you're not, if you're alone watching this on your mobile phone or on some device, hey, I know it may seem a little odd, but just, just out loud where you are. Maybe if you're in a public setting, it'd be a little odd. But, you know, if you're in a room by yourself, just say it out loud. There was a time in my life, share your two words, then I met Jesus. And now you share your other two words. And then if you're sharing this in conversation, which is what you'll do, man, I'm telling you, a great follow-up to this. And what this does is this helps to, to generate gospel conversations with people that are very natural, very normal, and it's you being yourself, not you trying to be some preacher or Billy Graham or someone. A lot of times you can just close it out by saying, do you have a story like that? You know, there was a time in my life when I was unsettled, when I was apart from God, then I met Jesus and I have forgiveness. I have peace with God. And I have fellowship with God. Do you have a story like that? And I'm telling you, man, in these days in which we live, when everybody is anxious and worried and concerned, and they've got friends that are being diagnosed, and even step outside for a moment, the coronavirus world, you just look at life, man, we live in a fallen world. And there are people that are thinking about what their story is and how their story is going to end. And when you can just in 15 seconds share that little story, do you have a story like that? What you may find is it then launches in to a bigger conversation that's organic and that's natural and that's, it, it's you being you just talking about what Jesus has done in your life and how they can know Jesus. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about not telling our story, my story, that's today, but we're going to also look at the nuts and bolts of how to tell his story. So be with us next Sunday. But I encourage you this this week, today, share this with somebody. In fact, let, let's, let's have a little, not only a little fun with it, but let, let's, make this, let's make this applicable for us as a church, right? We're scattered right now. We're, we're probably in a, in a few hundred homes. There are five of us in this room, but we're probably scattered over a few hundred homes. I have a feeling we're going to be shocked when we see the numbers of how many folks tuned in today via live stream. What if, what if we went online tonight, let's say six o'clock tonight, and you on your social media platforms just simply told your story? 
right there, you've got the pattern. You've already written it. It's just 15 seconds. What if you just typed it out? There was a time in my life when I was, then I met Jesus, and now, do you have a story like that? And I encourage you tonight, let, let, let's say 6 o'clock. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on any other social media platform. I'm planning to do this. You can set an alarm for yourself. And if you can't do 6 o'clock because you've got something already that you're committed to, that's okay. Do it after. Do it before. But, man, how awesome would it be in the midst of all of the negativity <laughs> that is just running rampant on social media right now? What if we could just see these little hot spots of hope and joy and purpose and peace as we tell our 15-second story? And when you tell it tonight and you post it on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your platform is, why don't you just tag tag it with this hashtag FBCI my story. That'll help you to be able to scroll through and read all of them, right? After the fact. And tonight, six o'clock, I encourage you just log on and, uh, and post this and let's see what God does with it. And then next Sunday, be back with us again. Like I said, we're going to talk about how to then tell his story in a very simple way, in a very visual way. And uh, it's, it's going to be another tool in your toolbox. Why? Because part of the nuts and bolts of the Christian life, living a life that hits the mark that God wants, is being able to have an impact on others around us. And these days, man, this is why I was so excited about this message today. This is why I decided to go back to the Nuts and Bolts series this morning, is because this immediately tonight in like six hours can have a huge impact in our, in our community and in our culture, just simply by telling our unique story. Why? Because every story Every life tells a story. Every story is significant. And every life story says something about Jesus. Hey, let's put him on display, church. And you may be sitting there even right now and thinking, but Brooks, I don't really have an after story. And I don't have that middle part of the story. Oh, I know the before. And I'll be honest, Brooks, man, I'm tired of the before. I'm tired of the anger. I'm tired of the hopelessness. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of that sense of, of, of having no peace. I'm tired of living life for myself. And man, I'm ready to finish the story. You know what? Right where you sit, whether it's in your car, your truck, your living room, whether you're in a cubicle at work somewhere, you're on break, or if you're watching this after the fact, right where you sit, man, Jesus can reach you even there. And the only thing that's necessary is that you come to that place where you lay down your sin. The Bible says we've all got it. Listen, I'll raise my hand. I'm part of that number two, where we lay down our sin and we basically say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of living for myself and I don't want the weight of sin on me anymore. I don't want to stand before God having to try to think up some excuse that isn't even going to work to excuse the sin of my life. And so you admit that sin and you leave it. You tell Jesus all about it. Lord, here's, here's my sin. And at that same time, you lay down your sin and you turn from it. The Bible calls that repentance. And you turn to Christ and you, you place your faith in Jesus. That when he died on the cross and when he rose again, that that was enough for you. And you trust that. And you communicate that to him by just inviting Christ to come in and to save you and to forgive you. And right where you sit today, man, I'm telling you, no matter where you are, whether you're eating a bowl of cereal or sitting in your PJs, it does not matter. If your heart is ready for change and you're ready to trust Jesus, he will change your life, I promise. And right where you sit, you can pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I need you. I know that I've sinned. 
and my sin has been against you. But I believe that you're God and I believe that you died for me and that you rose for me. And today, the best that I can, I lay down my sin and I turn from it. And I invite you, Jesus, to come and to forgive me and take over. That you would write my story, that you would make it a story of significance, that you'd change my life. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for your blessings to come. In your name I pray, Jesus.